Good morning. We just saw finishes his drink. <clears throat> Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. And today we're talking about action economy. And if you have to ask what it is, so did I. The action economy in RPGs. I'm sorry, in RPGs. <laughs> so this has come up. Uh, we've mentioned it a few times in our podcast, previous podcast episodes. And not we, by this name. Yeah, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but I never really explained what it was and why it matters in certain games. Uh, almost any game, but any game that has combat. How's that? Action economy. For me, uh, I think the, if you Google it, it gives you a definition. It means what a character can do on their turn, whether it's movement, fight, attack, uh, retreat, all these things, depending on the game you're playing. So it basically has a lot to do with if you're in a battle, basically, right? Yes, in, in combat. Or conflict. Combat, conflict. I think, and it's important because I think as a, as a GM, me, me as a GM, I had never thought of this idea. It only came up uh, for me within the last year or so. And it probably would have saved me a lot of headaches because it, maybe I'm just not a very good critical thinker because a lot of things I have not, I never incorporated into my games, and I played mainly D and D. I mean, D and D in all its incarnations, from from original A D and D. I skipped second edition, third edition, three point five, Pathfinder, and now fifth edition. And some of those campaigns lasted years, right? I had, I have had about three, four campaigns where my characters went from one to ten, and then I stopped. Uh, one, two of them were with my old group uh, and new friends, uh, uh, adult friends that I ran at my brother's house in Salinas. I ran a game there for like 10 years, 10 or 11 years. And and then I started a kid's game because my son was then by that time seven or eight. And I started uh, Pathfinder because he was reading Pathfinder book at the time. And fifth edition hadn't come out yet, obviously. But that was around 2010, 2011. And we ran, I ran a game that went from one to 10th level and then i stopped that game they all made new characters and then either jolene started halfway through that campaign and then and then in the second campaign she made a character from scratch from first level and we started playing again and that's currently the game we have going on now which we haven't played for a year, a year and a half. well no we played last summer but um did we yeah during because i remember it was online the oh wow the dungeon, the mad oh, yeah, mage. Oh, yeah, you dungeon. ran it, yeah. the mad mage, right? Yeah. So that that the, they use those same characters. Yeah. So in in most of that time, I never even thought about action economy, and you didn't think about it consciously. Mm. You fretted about it because <clears throat> the players right. had more turns than your and monster. And I couldn't figure out why. And it has to do, do a simple concept of action economy is that the characters, especially at in D and D at higher levels, they can even do more, right? They can they get. Like two or three attacks. I don't know what the level. Well, in D and D, usually it's two, right? I don't know. I haven't gotten my characters. Never gotten to where they get three attacks, but oh. I got. You get your movement. Well, everybody gets a movement. You and get an attack. action. Attack action. Move action. If, if you're high high enough level, you get two attack actions. Right. And then you have a, a reaction if somebody attacks you. Um, I don't know if that's D and D or Pathfinder, that's but D and D. And then. You can also, there's different things you can right. do, so, right? So there's, there's basically there's move actions and attack actions. Everything, I think I can break them down into those two actions in D&D. &D. 
And because as you go higher level in some classes, like the military or the military, the, the fighter classes, uh, you get two attacks instead get two of one. Attacks instead yeah. of one. So, so I run usually large groups. I don't know why I should really, it's kind of hard to say, you know what? You can't play because I don't want to run. Especially if they're one of your kids or your kid's friends. Or, right. or <laughs> friends. Yes. <laughs> so I run a, a group that's between seven and eight players usually. And when you are setting up a game, you're setting up, we call it the big bad guy, right? Because that's just a simple way of talking to, the, the, some people call it the end boss or the, 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 yeah, something the boys like always call it. Are we to the boss yet? And I'm yes, like, the boss. The boss. <laughs> so, so what happens is at the end of usually these most adventures, you fight this great creature or a strong creature or whatever. And unless you're cognizant of this action economy, that big bad that you thought would just go toe to toe with the group and maybe you know hurt the group turns out to be a big wimp, right? Because of the action economy, and that is. The one creature, even if he's powerful, he gets two attacks, maybe maybe even three. But yeah, I have eight characters, and those characters, uh, for the most part, let's say six, Once of they them, hit. six of them get two attacks. Yeah, That's yeah. 12 attacks. And then the other two or three get a couple attack, one attack each, so that I'm talking about 15 attacks to my one monster, and maybe they get three attacks. I think you might have started thinking about this before a year ago, because... Oh, yeah. When I started running for the group, I kept asking the question to you. So, <laughs> how do you balance how powerful the monster is against what the characters can do? Right. And I've been asking this for years. And Alan and I, um, actually, he sh we, we went on, he, he goes, or I told him about this website that I found. It's not the Dungeon Dojo, but it's something Dojo. But you can create dungeons on it and oh, get yeah. random monsters. Yes, and it fills the dungeon. And um, and he used it for his game and that he ran for his friends. And I used it the last time just to, to create monsters so I could see if my characters are level 9 and there's a bunch of them, what monsters are going to be good to go against them, right? Right. And for me, it was as, as simple as I want the monsters to be hard enough that there's the possibility of the characters dying, but I don't want to be, them to be so hard that their characters are going to die for sure. Right. And taking into consideration how many attacks people get and stuff like that, I wasn't really taking into consideration the amount of attacks, but just the power that they do, right? Well, okay. So since since the pandemic, I think Jolene is the first to admit that our minds are a little fuzzy with time because it sucks that we lost a, a, already almost two years to this pandemic. So Jolene has said in the past that she thinks it still seems like it's March 2020. I said it yesterday, <laughs> by the way. Because I forget what they're, they're saying on the news, how long They it's said been. it's been almost two years, and I'm like, yeah. seriously? <laughs> 20 months, 20 months. Uh, so, so that's probably why I say it. it's uh, a year. It's probably been like three years since I've, figured this out or it's finally hit me on the head so many times that it's made itself un I can't ignore it right this section economy and and a lot of the stuff I do uh, other stuff I do is I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot mm -hmm. of podcasts they have uh, one a lot of them get in a, what is it they get mail from people uh, emails and they ask questions and those questions lead to topics like this like like you know because this person was talking about 
he had the same problem I have years ago. Of like the play, players were trouncing on the on the characters, the, on, the, on yeah, his NPCs on, on the, yeah. or his monsters, and so I I you know it kind of hit me over the head like oh yeah that's the problem i have a lot of characters and the big bad is one guy and i think when when you you figure out that action economy it's it's very striking that that's why my characters my my player characters were so easily were so able to easily defeat the monsters i put in front of them so my 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 solution to that would be to have two monsters <laughs> <clears throat> and usually what i do cuz i always think well, you can always add another, a couple more of whatever it is can can walk in. Right. right. And then uh, other other things you could do is to mitigate that that beat up on one dude is to have minions, right? Yeah. A lot of, uh, not necessarily. You always really, have minions. So. Not really like super low level, but, but uh, what do you call it? Competent minions, right? Who yeah. uh, Who may not. Or, you know, your, the, your characters are not going to swat on them like flies and they're going to go flying onto the ground but somebody would put up a little bit of a resistance yeah they gotta have and, and, but in, most likely in D terms right they gotta have lots of hit points right okay yes so so there has to be a excellent fighter or two excellent fighters plus Correct. your big bad guy and a shaman or something <laughs> right so so what happens is is that this really takes place in i would say combat heavy games like D, &D obviously pathfinder but also like twilight 2000 uh but Certain games, you're not going to have like a big bad guy, right? Because in Twilight 2000, a big bad guy is just another person, unless like it's a robot or something crazy like that. But but for the most part, everybody's equal because everybody's very fragile. And the idea is you don't want to get into fights, right? You don't want to get into a firefight in, in Twilight 2000 because you only have like eight hit points or something like that. And maybe you'll take two shots, but you definitely go down and there's no resurrection and there's no... Well, that's the difference healing. between D&D &D and other games, right? Right. If it's Twilight 2000, I mean, there's guns. Right. Well, that's the action economy. Not only is the action economy is important, but also your planning, right? The idea is to shoot first, not get into a firefight where you're hoping to, to, to hit somebody during a firefight because that, then you're, that's not a good idea. The thing is to sneak up on people, shoot first and hopefully hit first and then eliminate the target. And you do that by concentrating fire and all these other things you can do. But other games that's like D&D, it's not necessary to be the first one to hit, but uh, it's important to be able to, as a GM, to have enough, what is it, enough of a resistance or enough of a, a tough enough monster to make it so the player's don't think it's a cakewalk and actually worry about their characters going down, whatever that entails, right. whether they're just knocked out or actually getting killed, which is, like I said, it's very tough to do in, in or AD &D, in uh, fifth edition. I, I think some people look at D and D and they're like, you know, and then we've talked about it before that D and D is, is really a, a war game where they added on uh, role playing aspects. So there's other games where the action economy is almost non-existent, right? There is actions, there's things you could do, but usually it's not this fighting and taking down of hit points until one side is exhausted. For like, example, I'm talking about like Tales of the Loop. There's actions economy in that game, but usually it's either moving and you could fight in that game, but it's probably not a good idea. And a lot of it, it just, it's just a different 
kind it's of it's more of an investigative game that's true so there's there's that i think other games that are investigative like uh, gumshoe they handle combat much differently it's it's very quick it's almost uh it's not very granular right you don't worry about how many hit points you do because a gun is going to shoot you and injure you and you're probably going to be hurt quite a bit unlike D or pathfinder where you have when as a character gains experience they also gain uh they, they become harder to kill yes uh i don't think that happens in the and what well tales from the loop the kids the npc the player kids in that game they can't die they can get they can get kicked out of a scene but they cannot get killed that's uh, just part of the rules because they're kids right i think yeah it's pretty interesting and later on when they go to uh, tales of the flood or something like that uh you play t- teenagers instead of little kids and as Shannon would say, death is on the table. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the One Ring. There is an action economy there, right? And it's even more pronounced than, I think it's more pronounced than D&D. But the game is still very deadly, right? You I don't... mentioned the One Ring before we started talking on the air. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just started the One Ring. So, <laughs> so the One Ring... <laughs> <laughs> well, the one ring there is an action economy but it's also very different because characters don't become very powerful uh as far as they they're, they're they become powerful more powerful and a little bit harder to kill but they're not not like in dnd where they have 100 hit points and the action economy is mitigated there by by the way combat works is you take a stance and that stance is very interesting how it worked. I, I had a hard time understanding it when I first started reading that book. And so you have four different stances. I would always take backward or back. <laughs> rearward. Rear, rearward. <clears throat> rearward. So there, there is a, oh my God, I can't believe it. There's forward. Mm-hmm. There's the, uh, I forget what it is. There's four of them. So basically the one forward is like, like you're, you're, you are attacking. Your main thing is to attack and you get more, hit. you get a better chance of hitting if you're forward, right? right? You have a less chance of hitting if you're rearward, Yes. but you also have a less chance of being hit. Right. <clears throat> so that number is really interesting. I, 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 I thought it was just your genius, the way that's handled. So for, if you're forward, your target number is like six. Right, that's the number you need to roll on this dice, and you get different dice for different stuff. And but if you're uh, defensive, it's like nine, and if you're rearward, it's twelve. I know there's another one I'm missing. So not only is six is the number I need to hit, they get to add their armor or their parry score, whatever that means, whatever that is. So the the number to hit is lower, but also the number to hit you is lower because that they use the same number. Right. So I really like that. I really like that because. There's more thinking involved, I think, in that in that kind of style of play. We even talked about it during the game. Like, they, I, and Shannon always loves me because I always go forward because I like the idea of hitting, right? And easier to hit, whereas other people are going, well, I don't want to get hit. Well, since I only had a bow and <laughs> my, my dagger did absolutely nothing because I only got, you have to hit like a 12 or something. And with one hit, die, with one die, it's not, you're not going to be able to do it, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you had no skill in there. No skill, so. <laughs> so that action economy is a little different, and it's mitigated a lot by the stance and stuff like that. And, and you do have actions that you can choose to do. But what makes it different than D&D and stuff is that the characters and the monsters, usually the characters are much weaker than monsters in the One Ring. The monsters are really tough. Right. And, and one monster, <laughs> like a big giant spider, is a tough thing to kill. and 
it is deadly, right? And well, just... not only that, just wolf, just a wolf. I mean, come on, they're gonna well, they're gonna jump over wolf, the dead 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 people and get you. There was one big wolf, remember, like a dire wolf. And once you're hurt, it's not like you. It's not like you in D and D when the scene is over, you can have a short rest and <laughs> and get your hit points back. No, yeah, there's there's there is a. Uh... You can get wounded and stuff, and then <clears throat> then you can't really do anything. Well, there's two. There, you can become weary. Yes. Which, uh, so you have these, I think I've talk, we've talked about the one ring. So you have six side dice and one, two, three are hollow or like uh, outlined and four, five, six are solid. So what happens when you become weary and that's when basically your hit points go to zero. Now, they don't call them hit points. They call them, uh, it's endurance. So basically what happens is when your endurance goes to zero, you're weary, you're tired, you're, you're not moving as much as you w- would like, and, and you're a little bit bruised or whatever. So when you roll those dice for your skills, and you always roll six-sided dice if you have any skill. So you always roll a 12-sided dice, and then you add six, every, for, every six side, for every point of skill, you get to add a six-sided die to roll. But if, you, but if you're weary, the one, twos, and threes don't count toward <laughs> attacking. So you're really hoping for high numbers. And, and I think that's another thing that I like about that system is that there is consequences for being tired. Where in D&D, you could fight. If, if you have 100 hit points, between 1 and 100 hit points, there's absolutely no difference in the quality of your attack or how well you're attacking. Unless you role play it, which I usually do when I get down to like 5 hit points. It drives <laughs> the boys nuts. I go, I have 5 hit points. How am I going to be able to stand you, up and you, do that? You pass out or something? You say I you, just sit down. I uh, can't do anything. And they're like, you still have hit points? Go for it. I'm all, no. Because I, I think if you're hurt, it's going to be harder for <laughs> right. you, right? And D&D, you have to role play that, that out. Yeah. And uh, in the one ring, it's kind of built into the yeah. system. And, and it changes, right? It changes the way the action economy is because now it doesn't matter. Uh, what is it? It does matter how many attacks you get per turn. Like you have five characters versus one character. That's always going to be kind of one-sided. But in this case, there was almost equal amount of wolves to our... There were to, more wolves. Or more wolves to our us. And we really had to... And one was a dire wolf or, yeah. or the equivalent. Yes. And we really had to think about what we were doing. And, and one was, of our party was, was down. All she could do was shoot her bow. <laughs> Which was good. And I had to use a bunch of hope to keep her from... Oh, from being hurt. Yeah. And there's all kinds of mitigating circumstances in that game about saving people. Uh, you can, if they're close to you, take a hit for them. Right, and I think you did that I because did that, yes. because she was really hurt, and she took another hit. She could have died or been wounded, which is really grievous. Oh, and uh, we we did that in, in a couple of games. I think so, she she was wounded. Oh, that's right. If she took another wound. She would die right <laughs> yes. instantly. So the action economy is important in almost any combat game and or combat in any game that has combat in it or a lot of conflict. Well, and the, the one ring, the, the fact that you, you, you can use your hope to keep the person, somebody, your, I think it was a focus or something, right. from getting hurt, and you take the, the you use the hope, you're, you, you're losing one of your hopes, and that just is not good for you, because sooner or later, your hope and shadow are going to be together, and you might go crazy. Which happened but, to me. But that wasn't so bad. We discovered when it happened to Saul, he didn't die, so that was good. But uh, and then he I and then, died. yes, he could have. Yeah. But someone had to save him. Yes. But that's what it's about, right? Right. So it was very interesting. I think that kind of a uh, gameplay is 
is a little bit more interesting than a D&D one, right? The, the, the action economy in the one ring, because there's so many, instead of what, what can you do in the one, in the D&D, you can attack, right? In the one ring, you can attack, but if you get hit, you could, or if you don't get hit, you could take a hit for somebody else. You can defend somebody else. You could roll with the punch or, or roll with the hit and then take half damage, but then you're on the ground. Well, I would agree and disagree because oh. I've seen the, the boys have not wanted me or Kathy. I, I know we're their mothers, so it might be a, a mother-son thing, <laughs> but they literally have stepped in front of us so that they took the hit. Cause, and, and according to Augustine and Alice, Alan, it's only because they have so many hit points that they can absorb it, right? Or only take half of those hit points or right. whatever. Right. Versus less of us, us not having that. And you take the full brunt right. of the tech. So, but I've seen people do that. I know they're my kids or people, you know, <laughs> they're like, so, but I've, people have done that in D&D. Right. And, and I think most groups that comes into, to play in a different way than in the one ring, right? Yes. It's, it has more to do with the group dynamics and who you're playing with and what those characters would do for you. And if it's like, if you're playing with, with the people, your kids and stuff, then I think it, it makes it an even more interesting idea. You know, your boys are going to step in front of you to keep you from dying. Cause right. maybe cause you're their mother or maybe cause you're the sorceress and they know that you can throw a, a fireball later on. Well, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I, I'm not sure they would step in front of other, right? Other, other other people, other players, characters, but I don't know if they were. But I, I think they're just, I think they're just a little bit more likely to do it for you guys than for Steve. Steve, right? Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact you're right that their characters are really powerful and could take a hit, where you and uh, Kathy's character are a little bit more fragile. So that so she is kind of coming into her the character is coming into her own in that sense, and but you are definitely more fragile because you're just a, a sorceress. A sorceress. And I'm get, just a sorceress. Just you a know. sorceress, and you get you get, you don't have a lot of hit points, and then right. you get hit once or maybe twice, and you're pretty close to going down. And they want to keep you alive because one, you're the only sorcerer in the group, and you know they really like the the idea that you can you know lay lots of damage to a lot of creatures if. They, you need to. Yes. And I think that's interesting. I think that's you're right. I think that's interesting aspect, but I don't think that's inherent in the rules. Of the no, right. but I'm just saying that it's built into the rules for the one ring because right. somebody is looking at D&D and going, oh, well, you, you can be mercenary and you don't have to take into consideration the other players. Right. Were, and they find that not appealing. Whereas in D&D, depending on your group, and most people who play together all the time right. are going to take care of the, the people that they're with. Right. Well, they have, At least in my experience. They have kind of done that. Like, I forget what character class. I think it's the paladin. And I think it's, they called it the guardian or something like that. Where he can, if he, if he wants to... Take the take the, take hit, the hit for uh, you. For somebody Your else. paladin does yeah, that. Yeah. Well, well, which, was the, a, which was a, a mistake for you, I think, because... No, my armor class is really high, so okay. my, my idea was that if my chances of of, of, of an attack hitting me are, are much diminished. That is true, because his armor class is like twenty five. No, twenty four, and, and then and then I took a. <clears throat> I thought it was an interesting idea, you know, because I made a character already at tenth level. I yeah. didn't I didn't have him since, or whatever level he was at ninth or whatever, and I didn't have, you know, uh, what is months and months of playing this character from first level. So I decided to give him a little quirk because he wants to defend people. He took, 
I just gave him a, a like a plus two shield or plus yeah. two shield of arrow attraction, which is considered a cursed item. So basically, anybody within thirty feet of me or something like that, if they aim an arrow at them, it automatically comes to me, which I thought was a pretty cool idea. And and uh, and uh, I think it was Augustine or Alan going, "Well, what the? We should get rid of that one." <laughs> What do you want the cursed shield? It's cursed. Everybody goes, yeah, because I'm a guardian, I'm a paladin. And they're like, that that doesn't make any sense. You know? <laughs> Just trade that in for a higher level shield. Like, oh, no, I like this one. That's, that's my something that I came it's up with. It's my quirk. Yes. Uh, not a quirk. I just thought it, it fits well with the idea that he's a guardian type of character. Right, right, right. And so I really had a lot of fun with that. And So that has, I mean, the action economy, I think it has... There's the, the straightforward, you know, you get a movement, two attacks, and right. you may get a, a, rea- a reaction if it's built into your character or somebody tries to attack you and moves within that five-foot radius or yeah, whatever. Yeah, there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of different things. But So there's that, the, the just straight-up part of it. But then there's also what will the players actually do, which is always a, a thing, right? Well, yeah, that's the, that, what is it? That is the, that is the unknown, right? What they're going to do and how they're going to behave. For the most part, you can, you can uh, be assured that they're going to use every attack that they have at their disposal. They're not going to not, not attack. Right. So I think when you, when you're, I, I, this is really for people who run D&D and run Pathfinder. And I've seen this question, they go, I I look at the challenge level of the creature and, and they're just rolling over the creature. Right. And then, and then that's what you got to do is you got to look at action economy. How many times are they going to attack compared to your to your monster? Especially if you have a single monster attacking. And if you're if you're playing with five or six players, you're going to want more than one monster right. because it just makes it a better thing, right? Well, the problem is, the reason I, I even say that is because there's this challenge rating, right? That they have or yes, or, I've never understood the challenge ratings. The boys right. are always telling me about them, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I see that what this monster can do, and I know how many hit points you have. I know that you can do this much damage, so you're going to take out the monster in like three rounds. Right. Well, the the challenge rating is to help people who are new to running games, and it instantly tells you what level the monster is compared to characters. Uh, but what they don't take account is how many characters are in that group. Right. Now, they do that in some... I think there was a table in Pathfinder for experience, right? That if there's a challenge rating of the monster is five and you have... Uh, five five level characters you get this many experience but if they're fourth level or second level they get more experience right but they don't do that in i I don't remember seeing the challenge rating take that into account for making the adventure saying you know if you have a challenge rating five monster and you're all your characters are five fifth level that's pretty equal but if you have six players then it's not equal right no no i totally understand that's why i always have you should always have the extra orcs yeah. you can always add orcs right if it, if it or you can always add whatever it is that's whatever the big bad person is right usually it's like a organization right there's a the crazy shaman who has got all these people following him or or some that's true oh yeah, you, yeah. there's always minions. something right there's there's gonna be minions so you can have extra ones of those because it doesn't matter how many cobalts you have you can take them out one at a time. You can't take a, unless you throw a fireball at them. It gives the players more things to attack and be attacked by to make the the scene or the combat more exciting for the player 
And right. it's a lot harder for the GM though because you got all these. That's another thing. Yeah. All these. You, there's inevitably a piece of paper with okay, these are my ten cobalts, and these are my. Or with cobalts, it doesn't really matter. You just let them take them out as they go, right? They're just in the way. They're just fodder. <laughs> Literally, canyon fodder. I think that's a, a, an issue that I haven't we didn't talk about is as a GM, it's easier to have one monster, right? Because it's easier to control. And the more monsters you're adding, the more is on your plate. And though you have five characters and then you have five monsters, but those five monsters, you have to do all the work. And you have to remember to to hit with each monster because that's happened to me oodles of times. (laughs) You know, those all those orcs are just standing there in the middle of battle because Jolene doesn't want to roll twenty two dice to try to see what they whether they hit you or not. Right? There's something you got to. There's ways you can. Well, you can do like a roll for all yes. of them in that section. That's what I usually do. Right. Or you just pick out two that are going to attack because they're close enough, right? Yeah, I think that's that's one way to, to deal with it. And that's a good way is to just group them up. Yeah. In fact, uh, I think Savage Worlds does that. They inherit in the rules. If there's like, if they have 10 millions, they group them up into handleable pieces, right? right. Or chunks. So they cut them in half, and that way you have two groups, and they act as a group, they die as a group, and stuff like that. So I think that's interesting. Uh, I haven't really mentioned Savage Worlds very much in our podcast, simply because I don't play Savage Worlds that much. I've just, it's a system that uh, I don't know anybody around me that plays. None of my friends run it or play it. They just that he knows of. That I, that I'm, no, I know, I know people who play it and run it and at the conventions, at the local conventions, but... But here, uh, you know, personal yeah. friends, I don't know too many people who run it. I ran Deadlands, and so that's, that's, a, that's a Savage Worlds system. Uh, they just, well... Well, Deadlands like is, a, is, a, is a specific genre of Savage Worlds, right? Right. It's, a, yeah, it's its own setting. Yeah. And, and Savage Worlds is like just a, a generic system, and right. you can add any system. Any yes, I've seen all the setting. books on yeah. the shelf. I don't have that many Savage Worlds books. You did. You bought the little ones, I thought. <laughs> okay. I did buy the Rifts book bo- box, but is that Savage Worlds? Yes. Okay, that's what I'm talking okay. about. But they just recently came out with was it Suede, which is a different instead yeah. of a Savage Worlds Explorers Edition, it's Savage Worlds some Deluxe Edition. You got that one for the Deadlands, right? Uh, the new Deadlands? no, that they actually changed the rules after that. Oh, but like I haven't picked it up, and I don't know what, exactly what they changed. I think they're just little changes. You know, they're little changes, but it, it actually impacts the game kind of kind of kind of greatly uh but you can still play the old game the old suede and that's probably what i would do i just use the old rules if i play with this group and you were talking about this for the action economy because they group the monsters, monsters together. together right yeah. right and that's inherent in rules they tell you to do that to, to make it easier on you and i think that's a v- v- very good advice because savage worlds is like a miniature game i think it started as a miniature game and then they made kind of like dnd then they made it into a role-playing game date they decided to make it into a role-playing game, but it keeps its miniature what, yeah. roots or heart of it. Yeah. Because you, you're moving this, the, your, your figures, you know, on yeah. squares or hexes or whatever. So Which is, before the pandemic was the preferred way to do it for our group anyway. The, get, the boys love battle mats and, oh yeah. and the idea of spatially being aware of what's going to happen and in the battle. And seeing stuff on, on, the, on the table, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and having, uh, what is it, scenery and, and stuff. You, you can do that on Roll20 or whatever um, tokens, virtual yeah. virtual tabletop. tabletop you use, but it's not the same <laughs> as actual physical picking up your miniature and moving it five steps. Well, and it's not the same being with other people right, right, right. in the same room. Yeah. 
So action economy, I think, is in almost any role-playing game. Some of them, some of the newer ones, try to eliminate it because it's basic. Basically, it's a it's a combat thing, and in like let's say a, a mystery game, why would you need this action economy? Most of the time, you're just investigating stuff. Right. And, it's a totally yeah. different. It's a totally different idea of an investigative game versus right. a, a a battle. Right. Because you're not really going to have a battle in an investigative game unless you happen to run into a den of thieves or whatever right. you're doing. And, and, and that's not the, that's not the, usually. That's not the, the what you want. <laughs> usually the end of the game isn't some big bad guy comes right. out in armor and starts shooting it up. Right. I think the, my best idea of the, the action economy is Saul always, and I, I always remember the boys saying, and I've said it myself, find the one that's the, <laughs> that's the sorcerer, kill them first because then all the troops will run away. And it's in Saul's world, that's the way that it works. So you can see the fighters going, okay, which one of those is throwing <laughs> the spell? Because that's the one I got to attack. And then they'll do all kinds of stuff to get to that person yeah. to attack. That is action economy. I mean, they're using their, their moves and their, their, their skills to manage to get to the person they need yeah. to kill. Right. Because, they're actually ignoring other people yeah. who are attacking them. Yeah. Right. So I think... Uh, as a use, this is probably good for a, a GM that, that runs D and D or Pathfinder or anything kind, of, anything similar. And you just like you have that problem where they're, they're just running through your encounters like, like butter. Well, I think it it works for any GM, whatever game you're running. The idea that you need to take into consideration what the players are going to do, whatever it is you're doing, and how many players you have, and how many players you have, yeah, right, and figure out. Well, the, there's five players and they, they get two attack actions to my three. Yeah. So five, that's 15. Yeah. yeah. The chances are your, your challenge monster, whatever it is. You might is need an gonna, extra one. It's not going to last. So. But there's, all, I mean, it, it ports to all kinds of different games, the idea of action economy. Yes. So there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. And you have a good day.